Starbucks is absolutely open uh, after seven here. Is it not okay. there? Okay, hold on. Let, let's check this. Yeah, real-time follow-up. I mean, Find out. Jake lives in Florida, and uh, I don't know, people in oh. Florida, I was about to make some disparaging comments about Florida. I'm going <laughs> to censor myself. Yeah, no. You're, you're right. It closes sure. at eight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I could yeah. have grabbed something quickly before the show. Yeah. Around me, I bet you they stay open even later because uh, I think the closer you get to college campuses, the more likely it is that they stay open a little later. That's true. Mm. Yeah, we have 24-hour yeah. ones here in in like around Rutgers and a couple of other places. There's like one or two, but it's not the norm for sure. Mm. But of course, this is just dodging the conversation, which is you have an espresso machine at home, which I is do. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, but also, whenever I see that, I'm like, that's cool, but that's so much work. Like, no. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to explain here. I don't have, I have, okay, I have a super automatic espresso machine. You pour beans in the top, you put water oh, in wow. a tank, and it has oh. a little LCD, and you hit the buttons you want, and it makes the, the drink you want, and that's it. Big I money Leahy not, over there. Well, yeah. I mean, I was spending more at Starbucks. This is this is actually a savings. This is, you know, cinching the, the belt a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In, so I, in case, I do believe that. Like, I was spending... Back in my heyday Starbucks days, I was, I, man, I guess I was getting Starbucks like 15 times a month at like four bucks. Oh, and that's I nothing. wasn't even that expensive. Yeah. Like it was like four bucks, four bucks each visit. So, so 60 what, bucks. that's like 60 bucks a month. 60 bucks yeah. a month. Yeah, that'll pay for itself in, I don't know, $720 a year. A year? Uh, no, uh, it, that's not a $720 machine that Leahy has. That's got to be like a, that's got, you're going to have to amortize more. that cost over the course of like two, three years. Yeah, oh, it's not. Okay. <laughs> you take out a HELOC and, and you pay for it over 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, that's I, how those work. Mm, okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. You know what? I got to. Yeah. We really got to do something about this music. No. I'm just going to let, I'm going to set my three-year-old up with GarageBand on the iPad and just let him come up with some nonsense. Like, I'll give it a beat. I'll give it, yeah. you know, I'll program no. in a 4-4 drum set and uh, I'll just let him sit there and mash buttons and see what happens. And it'll be better than the AI-generated clown music. For no, sure. I I'm bet... hoping that AI will will get better at music. Yeah. And our, our, our theme can kind of evolve with it. You know what I mean? It can grow our together the, like a boy theme... and his dog. Is now like a half a year old. That's like forever ago in generative AI, generative AI terms. So for sure, yeah. I How bet that? we could make a good, a better one now. A good uh, one now, right? Yeah, you had it right the now. first time. I bet you could make a good uh, one. Now. The, uh, uh, I think this was uh, this was my prompt. In fact, I'm the artist behind this one. Oh, this Supreme one Court was barbecue. Uh, Supreme Court barbecue. Yeah, um, and uh, <laughs> Which so is great. as the as the artist, I'm free to disparage my own work. Um, Are you the artist though, for purposes of copywriting the? Yes. the uh, yes. Did you create it? Really? Yes. Okay. Dial back yeah. to episode two of Esquiring Minds, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe the so we should tell people, unheard episode. Yeah, we should tell people what this is because right now they're going to think it's a show about coffee and uh, bad AI generated music, but it's not. The show is three lawyer friends uh, goofing around for your enjoyment. Nothing we say here should be taken as legal advice because we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, we have our sort of our own little areas of, of so, you know, I, I will say it's pseudo expertise for me. It's real expertise for, for you guys. But we sort of never talk about things that we actually know anything about. We kind of sure just we do. Opine on, do we? Yeah. You, I don't. You never you never talk oh. about things that you know about. But I've talked oh, about fair. things that I know about. Mm. Most of yeah. the time we talk about things that Jake knows about. Oh, so it's just me then. OK, yeah. well, me, the poor, poor tax man. Nobody yeah, ever wants to talk about tax. Even I don't ever want to talk about sales suppression. 
No, it's oh, not like I'm, I'm chomping sorry. at the bit and you guys are saying, like, to be fair to both of you, it's not as though I'm continually putting it in the outline and you're turning it down. I no. have no interest in talking about it either. I do uh, enough we, talking about it mm-hmm. elsewhere. Well, we can talk about the, the it later if we can talk about the A's and the, you know, tax bonds and stuff. But that's also my, that's also partially my jam. Yeah. Yeah, I think you might be, I might, again, defer to you. I mean, <laughs> I'm happy to talk about it, but I think you're more the expert of the Oakland A's. And that's really the, they're going, right? Well, we'll see. There's a an announced deal. So the Oakland A's, uh, moving away from my hometown, Oakland, uh, you know, almost definitely to Las Vegas based on an announced deal, partially based on public funding from Nevada, from the state, and yeah. then partially based on tax increment revenue bonds from right. Nevada, from uh, Clark County, which is Las Vegas. Uh, friend of the friend of the show, Brandon. Um, uh, we'll be paying off those bonds. Uh, but yeah, personally, yeah. <laughs> as, <laughs> yeah, as has been demanded by the gap, uh, heir that owns the Oakland A's Brandon will be personally paying those yeah. bonds off over the rest of his life. Yeah. But the, uh, so the deal between Oakland and the A's broke down over what the A's said was like a, you know, dang, we're just $80 million apart and it's not closing. Right. And mm-hmm. so they announced they were moving to Las Vegas for with 400 million in public funding, the announced right. deal was like 270 million in public funding as the deal like kind of derailed. And it's like, right. oh, okay, you were totally full of it this whole time. Like you were never gonna stay in Oakland. Uh, mm. No, I because don't think so. yeah, this was just a way to like improve your negotiating stance with with uh, Nevada. And yeah. once Oakland was like, oh, okay, you're out, then you're out. Um, you had to give up some of that money. So I'm glad we at least like made things worse for them uh i wish them all the pain in the world um and yeah uh have fun with uh have fun with that dave cavall and uh and fisher uh, yeah john fisher yeah. or something right he's the, the son of the gap founder or gap founder yeah i thought he w- i thought he was a gap founder um no i don't think but, i mean i think he's oh, now okay. the ceo or something or you know he's okay. in some way the majority shareholder or whatever but um yeah, so the initial thing was that they were going to they, they they claimed initially that they had an agreement in place to purchase property for this. Yeah. And then that's not the deal. That's not the, ultimately the deal. They're going to I wrote an article about it. I'll put it in the uh in the show notes. I forget what they're they're now going to raise to um to put the stadium, the like the Tropicana? Was that what it, what it is? They're, the Tropicana is the name of the like yeah, the casino, like an old casino yeah. or something. So, so they're they moved not it down. totally far away. For oh, okay. like in a different or a different location on the strip, but like yeah. further down right. from like they originally were going to put it near like, what is it? The what's that like Camelot based one? Mm. Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm not a it's not Circus Circus, no. right? It's like Camelot near New based. York. It's near New York, New York. Is that is that the name of a place? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like you're you're just naming old musicals or something. Brandon, <laughs> I don't know. Brandon. There's, a, there's a fake New York skyline casino. Yes. Across okay. from the MGM. And then across from that fake New York skyline casino, there's a circus slash Camelot casino where I stayed sounds once. Terrible. That sounds uh, terrible. A circus <laughs> slash Camelot. It sounds like uh, a Ren fair with gambling. <laughs> um but yeah, I knew it was going to be over by there. And then instead, it's moving far down the strip towards like the Mirage, I think. Yeah, uh, I think that's which right. Which is, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just like fever dreaming out my recollection of going to Vegas when I was 21 with my dad, uh, which was 
five, 13 years ago. So no, it all might be different now. Um, oh, we f- I forgot. Yeah, you're our youth correspondent, so you're pretty young. 13 years yeah. ago, you were 21. Wow. I actually what we have to do actually, is yeah. We, we got to get our Vegas correspondent on here to give us the geography yeah. of the Vegas Strip. Although, you know what? My guess is he probably doesn't know either. It's probably changed like three times this week. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's also probably one of those things that if you live in the area, you never go to that part of town. Yeah. You avoid that entire area. He's been right. there, you know, as many times as you have. Right. Yeah. It's like Orlando and Disney. If you're not into Disney, then right. you're then you're just never going there. I avoid I avoid everything south of Orlando, the city, which is where Disney is, like the plague, because you know that's where all the people are who are not from orlando so <laughs> right because I'm just, you hate happiness and fun yeah. and joy and yeah. people. you hate magic jake yeah <laughs> the magic so, yeah. of uh the worst track at traffic i've ever been in we and should introduce ourselves so people so people know oh, what yeah. we're talking good about good idea yeah uh, I'm one of the aforementioned friends. Uh, nine minutes ago, I that, that aforementioned is it's a delayed aforementioned. <laughs> uh, I'm Andrew Leahy. I'm a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. I'm joined by Jake, the Florida local government land and use uh, misanthrope that hates people. Yeah. I'm and, not even sure I call it a. Li- I'm not even sure I could, can call myself a land, uh, uh, local government attorney. You're now. just land and use now. I'm just now. I'm just now land and use and construction uh because i I get started in case you didn't listen like three four episodes ago or whatever or uh, last time started a new job uh three weeks ago and yeah i'm still learning but now i have a better idea of what i'm actually doing so that's nice okay sounds great you can introduce jason now it's Jason Ramesland. He's an employment uh, attorney, right? You're still that? You're still doing that? Yeah. You're still hanging yeah. into that? Okay. I'm a, I'm an anti-work lawyer. You can go to antiworklawyer.com and find me there. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. That's anti-work, yeah. not woke, right? Anti-work. Anti-woke is probably another lawyer entirely. <laughs> yeah. Probably oh is God. another That's lawyer, and that is not me. That's yeah. not I me. bet. It, oh, okay. It yeah, work, it worked. It worked. Congratulations. Yeah. Let, now let's see anti-woke lawyer. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. This is uh, some live uh, live feedback from the youth correspondent here pulling up anti-woke lawyer. I bet it ex- uh, it didn't pull anything. I bet you could own that if you wanted to. Okay, okay so well, you guys get, you guys go on. I'm going to mute my mic and uh, get on hover here and totally register that for a prank. We, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just going to say we need a listener. <laughs> You're going to redirect that. that to Andrew dot or whatever. No. Andrew dot uh, Andrew dot legal. Andrew dot yeah. would be incredible though if that. You just need to make a, uh, a, a top-level domain. A uh, sizable donation to ICANN. Yeah, to, and again, yeah. on TLD. And then, that, and then nobody will go to that site, too. So that, that'll be useful. <laughs> you, guys, you guys, it's only $15 on Hover. I'm totally buying oh this right God. now. What poor I'm person shocked. on That's, Learned that... Council Slack is about to get uh, <laughs> this redirect. <laughs> yeah, we got a we got a buddy in uh, our Learned Council Slack that's uh, going solo, and this is just totally right for him. It seems right up his alley. Perfect. Anti-woke lawyer. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. irony. That's irony. Yeah. It is not up his alley. No. Sorry, Wait, who, are we, who are we talking about? Oh, well, I don't think who? you can name names now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because you're still sort of insinuated that yeah, maybe he's anti-woke. Okay. So, or she. Or maybe not. Oh, he or she is maybe or maybe not have political opinions. Right. Uh, they, nobody so there know. has any opinions. They. They don't have they, any opinions. They don't. We're not anti-woke. No. We can use. I'm certainly not. We can use gender-neutral pr- pronouns like. Just total the, pose. They, they, I've been on the, they I should know. be singular since I, uh, Absolutely. since undergrad before I, you know, before there was any concept of that, the idea of that as like a social statement yeah. in my head, other than as a grammar guy. 
Because dang, it would be nice. It'd be I've nice. Been Just on, let me yeah, do I've it. I've been on they as a singular since I was corrected for it in fourth grade and didn't want to be corrected for it. I yeah, of course. I, I want they to be yeah. that's fine. They how, how it, else do you you really want to make us do he her he her she or uh no um his her or his or hers uh he or she all the time? No. 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 Waste of time. Absolute waste. You know of time. how much they, easier that makes it to like draft documents from templates and not have to change the gender pronouns all the time? Like that's fantastic. Yeah. We should totally do it. Or have I annoying have dr- slashes in the middle of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you guys do for uh, salutations and emails? I've completely dropped any gender of any sort. Hey all, all, depending on you know how all. how yeah, all. Uh I st- I do genuinely still occasionally get a like gentleman colon. And then the first thing I do is look in the CC box and guaranteed there's a woman on that list that needs to deal with that. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, great, I'm all. yes. There needs to be, but yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it's a little bit more difficult in the upper Midwest, especially like y'all is like Southern Midwest, like the y'all from the South has gradually crept its way up North. It sounds like maybe you've even picked it up in Jersey, uh, but, uh, in the upper Midwest, like Chicago area, Indianapolis, uh, Wisconsin, like Milwaukee area, it's all you guys, you guys. Yeah. And like you guys is not gendered, uh, as far as that's concerned, but guy right. is gendered and so uh, yeah. oh, i i yeah. like guys as a as a non-gendered plural um as as do i like i like y'all as well like y'all was so useful i i used y'all when i grew up in california even though i was not associated with the south at all uh mm. and i still use it i love it it's a great word uh it should be it somehow has like it, it needs to just be a word just make it a word yeah yeah come on oxford come on because you can't uh, Merriam webster let's do it, it. has yeah. totally Funkin it's Wagnalls. totally managed it's totally managed to make its way into the lexicon of just basically like everybody in america to the extent where like i listen to a podcast that has like an italian guy and a british guy on it and granted they do a podcast yeah. with a guy from memphis but like they say y'all and usually they're making fun of the guy from memphis but like it's known people know what it means it's not for sure as a surprise to anybody it's yeah. interesting that y'all and you all are two very different things. Like if you were to start a, a an email to somebody as you all colon, that is that's, a strange That's negative. Posture. That's pejorative. Yeah. yeah, that's not like... That's your. That's accusatory. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas y'all is like folksy and fun. <laughs> yeah. And if, y'all, and if you, you all is the, uh, is the version of saying a kid's full name. That's, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what you all is. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone on that list is in trouble. Well, and if you started out... Hey, you guys, you sound like Chunk from Goonies. Yes. Hey, you guys. Yes. I'm going to do that just for fun now. It's going to be great. That should be your voice for the whole podcast. Hey, we should talk about uh, law and technology and stuff like that and current events. I like law and technology. That's great. Okay, let's do that. Tell us about what's going on because uh, I've had my head in the sand this week. Yeah, so uh, I've spent sort of out of it too, but I know a little bit about the stuff that's been going on. Uh, I think our mini topic is the DeSantis announcement and how... I have thoughts on this. I know I'm sure you both have. So what don't do? Do you know there was an announcement made by Ron DeSantis uh, on Twitter with Elon Musk? So the first time I saw the first time I saw anything about this, it was printed. Somebody had uh, somebody linked to me somewhere a tweet that said like uh, DeSantis, Musk, and then like a couple other Republican goons uh, in there. I think it was like Trey Gowdy and somebody else. Yeah, Trey Uh, Gowdy. And then somebody I'd never heard of a columnist, David somebody or other. Yeah, I'm talking about David Sachs. David Sachs. Yeah. Is it David Sachs? Oh, okay. I know. Okay. 
Uh, and I was like, on. what? We're having an announcement of DeSantis Musk. Like Musk is going to be the running mate. And I think that right. spun us off into like a, a whole like, <laughs> oh my goodness, what is article? What are the article two implications of, right. uh, of an announcement like that? <laughs> Uh, at which point I discovered that there's no requirement strictly written into the text of the Constitution that the vice president be a natural born citizen of the United States. Uh, but then I figured out, no, it was just that was the like group that was going to be participating in the announcement. Right. And uh, what I know about it is that from a technical standpoint, forget the candidacy standpoint, from a technical standpoint, it was just absolute chaos. Yeah. Uh, I heard that there were something like six or seven crashes of the Twitter space, which is like the, that's the, uh, analog to, uh, their clubhouse, right? It's just a pure yeah. audio yeah. format and you have like, it's like the, the worst things of a conference call combined into one where you have like people who are <laughs> authorized to speak and then a bunch of people who are authorized to listen. Uh, and apparently that crashed like six or seven times people's Twitter app where they were hosting the spaces or listening to the spaces like that crashed six or seven times for a bunch of people. And well, not just even, people, Musk himself. Oh, no uh, kidding. He, yeah. So he had an issue where he lost the space, the space. He couldn't maintain the space. He like, yeah. kept crashing and he couldn't get back in. So then he had to have uh, the aforementioned David Sachs or whatever. He, it then had to be switched to his account to host the space. Which and then, is just uh, like, I mean, this would be bad for a podcast. Never mind a presidential announcement. I'm sorry. Go on. And then, like, uh, a couple of times, DeSantis got demoted to where he couldn't be a speaker anymore. Yeah. He was just a, he was just a listener on the call. Like, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, I can't decide who it looks worse for in that situation. Uh, it probably looks worse for Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's spaces. So I've had fun with spaces. Like, I've had, you know... Smaller people I care I care about will have a space with like a hundred people maybe, uh, and it's it's fun to like just kind of listen in and you can get pulled into the speaker spot. Or you raise your hand if you have a question, that kind of thing. But yeah, clearly they were not prepared. It's funny leading up to this, which you know everybody kind of knew this announcement was coming in some form somewhere. Uh, leading up to this, somebody mentioned you know they said this is a genius move. They're going to get more attention on spaces than they ever would have on tv where they would have pulled just a few million viewers and right. the maximum that spaces got to before it crashed was like six hundred thousand or something yeah and that Which includes is... people who joined to hate right. on it <laughs> to see the and to sabotage and... Yeah. it right uh because everybody knew that spaces wasn't built like that like uh it's I'm not surprised a, it held up for six hundred seventy-eight thousand, like, or it even remotely held up for yeah. a number of that, like, of that magnitude. That's yeah. surprising. But like when it did, that's the thing. So it seemed to like I, I never tried to join because I don't because I didn't care. Right. Um, but also uh, there were like two hundred thousand. Uh, I kept seeing a notification that there were two hundred thousand people in the space, right uh, at the top of like Twitter web, and I have heard that like it was still full of problems even when it was up and this right. is kind yeah. of just like a you know <laughs> a reminder that this kind of interactive uh you know conference kind of uh, right. uh input from multiple sources stuff is extremely hard and maybe you shouldn't fire all of your engineers you shouldn't like fire nine tenths of your engineers that are working on it <laughs> right. if you want to have it do like a major announcement like this 
especially when it wasn't fully baked even when you had all like i mean this is a rel- like it's not new in terms of you know calendar months that it's existed but it's relatively mm. new in terms of the maturity of the technology underlying it and right. so this is like if there's a failure point on twitter this is for sure where oh, it's yeah. going to be. I mean, maybe not for sure where it's going to be because maybe video could be. But I mean, this is, you know, I was in the top handful of things that you would expect that would be impacted by this. And then to your point, Jake, I, I don't know who it looks worse for, but like flipping it around, if it had worked out, I don't know who this is for. I understand the idea yeah. that a lot of people are going to see it, but are they people who wouldn't have seen it on television? Only a few right. million people would see it on TV. And, you know, obviously there's more than a few million people on Twitter. Right. But how many people are going into spaces? I have. Like maybe once or twice got to a space. That's the thing. Like, there's like way fewer people are looking at Twitter Spaces than are watching like Fox News or something. It would be like predicting how many people are going to watch it on Fox News by by uh, having a number of how many um, televisions there are in the United States and saying like, oh, there's you know 500 million televisions, and so there'll be 500 million people watching it, or there'll be 250 million people watching it. What? uh, And the other thing was, I what I didn't understand is like what the benefit is for DeSantis or for Musk. I mean, this is a huge risk for Musk. I don't really know what the point, like to some extent, I think it doesn't hurt Musk as much as it hurts DeSantis because Musk is already kind of owning the brand of like moving fast and breaking things. And I hate that term, but that's the kind of nonsense <laughs> that he, he, you know, espouses or whatever. And so yeah. he, he, I mean, I've seen interviews with him where he talks about um, not giving up stability to roll out new features sooner. So oh. he's already sort of it's baked into what people think about Twitter. I think it, it's back to like the fail whale where hmm. it goes down from time to time. So like there wasn't a lot of risk to him, but I don't understand what the benefit was. It was going well, to get a huge amount of attention and all the networks were going to cover it. What? It's going to get it's going to get a bunch of attention from people who as as a group may uh, not be as interested in Twitter. But once they find out, oh, hey, there's this cool thing that I am interested in that's happening right. Like on Twitter, maybe it drags a bunch of people over because, like historically, in in the before Musk times, Twitter was probably fairly described as you know uh, a primarily liberal platform with pockets of Nazis uh, and clans right. and clansmen right. in places, uh, kind of hiding out in corners. And now it's pretty rapidly turning the opposite way, where it's like, yep, yeah, pockets of Nazis and clansmen still. And then more conservative uh, stuff that is, it's really skewing very conservative. And so yeah. that's like Musk kind of inviting people who don't are, who haven't already witnessed that part of Twitter's transition to come on board and be part of this. And uh, for DeSantis, my hunch is that it's probably a little bit of political bridge building to somebody who's kind of a... Uh, newer darling to the right uh in musk who you know says oh i used to be uh liberal and then the overton window shifted and now you know liberals are way far far left and conservatives have stayed exactly where they are uh and okay this isn't an entirely political podcast so i won't (laughs) dwell on i won't dwell on how silly i think that is but like it's probably mostly bridge building building oh, for yeah. Musk to like reach out and oh. formally try to try and build like a new alliance for DeSantis. It's probably the same thing, too, where he's trying to get this guy who's influential in a circle that maybe DeSantis isn't influential in yet. I I don't know how much it, it can be called political. I think we've made our but we've made our <laughs> feelings on certain tech people uh, yeah. pretty clear. 
yeah. uh, and tech uh, tech attitudes. Um, you know, that's quasi political in a way, I guess. Right. Uh, I'm not sure how how much Elon is really calculating at this point. Um, I agree. Right. Yeah. He's a. Uh, <laughs> He loves this is like the me, you know, I don't think this ultimately does. You know, there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, headlines about this being terrible and like uh, coming out of the gate poorly or whatever. I don't think it really matters that much in the long term. Uh, I agree. But if you're making a presidential announcement, I don't think you want to do it alongside somebody that just wants to be at the center of attention at all times. Uh, right. That's not like <laughs> I don't think you want to share the microphone with that guy. Right. Uh, and he doesn't care if the Hindenburg floats away or or blows up. He just wants people to, yeah. to tune in, right? So yeah, you don't want to be holding one of the ropes. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. been pretty clear that he doesn't. He like just floats to whoever says they they like him. <laughs> like he, right. that is Elon. Right. Elon's just like, look, you like okay, Saudi Arabia, you like me, okay. Like whoever's tolerating me at this moment is the person that I'm in favor of. Um, yeah, whoever's wor- worshiping me, I'm I'm into that person. And y'all don't know David Sachs. I am on, I'm mostly familiar with Dave, David Sachs because of um, his uh, various incorrect opinions on a Ukraine that keep going around. Um, the uh, and was like famously, continuously, repeatedly wrong about Ukraine uh, and pro and pro Russia. So I I had a uh, dislike for him separate from this, but he's all he's similar, where he's just like all about. He he just floats to whatever opinion makes him feel good, basically. Right. Um, so mm. very like that's not who <laughs> that's not who I would want to share the microphone with uh, yeah. when. And from what I've heard, like the actual conversation wasn't that interesting. Once the once the speech was over, it was just like, you know, it was the exact same as any other space. And by the way, uh, so one thing that you all mentioned was the you know, the political shift in Twitter. And there's definitely like the activity is definitely very different, especially yeah. with the Twitter blue being uh, subscribers being elevated and right. those mostly being insane people. Um, <laughs> but right. uh, but honestly, like every with if it were not for Twitter blue, like the the feed is so different for everyone else, for everyone. Twitter is definitely and Twitter is no exception, like for uh, for social media generally, but also Twitter. Like I know people who had totally different Twitter feeds than I did. Uh, I had Mm -hmm. uh, um, like apparently Twitter is just like a totally different experience for like teenagers. And that's something Hmm. that Twitter was working on really hard before Elon Elon Musk took over, where it's much less of like a political cesspool that it has been since 2016. Because of um, engagement, I would imagine, right? I mean, they don't tend to engage, and so I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I'm guessing that if you're like 15, you're not super interested in like what Ron DeSantis is thinking about anything. I, probably, I don't know. I think, uh, well, Gen Z has been like more, much more engaged than other generations politically. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm a millennial and to, I'm showing. My, yeah, well, yeah. like compared <laughs> to their age group, I don't know if they. Like relative to the age group. So I don't know right. if they are. I bet millennials are more politically engaged, but Gen Z are more politically engaged gotcha. than millennials were at that, at that age. age. Right. Um, and it's been, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of dramatic. Did you uh, did you all see the BU, the the Boston University uh, commencement where no. David Zaslav, the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO right. talked? 
Um, and, and, and the graduates shouted them down over the writer's strike. Oh, it's like, it's like, <laughs> man, that we never would have done that. Millennials no. aren't doing that. That's no. BU. We that's like had not anyone up there. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> I don't think, any, yeah, no, I wouldn't have said anything. I don't even, no. I don't remember who my graduation guy is. And that's not even that controversial of a thing. Like, uh, right. and, uh, like, I mean, you know, I, the writers should get paid, uh, but, uh, it's not like a huge, like, you know, Divisive, generation yeah. defining thing or like, <laughs> right. you know, humongously mm-hmm. political issue. Um, but like, you know, we had, a the new college of Florida, uh, recently went over a very public makeover where there were a lot yes. of political, uh, like conservative political people that were installed and, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the traditional, uh, a lot of new educational restraints uh, put on and right. uh, like kind of an intentional an intentional political drive towards conservative. And the graduates were just like completely put on their own uh, commencement and uh-huh. were openly hostile to the entire official commencement uh, and the speakers there and everybody that attended and the speakers just kind of like ducked for cover. It was very like it was much more i mean it might be a product of the age sorry i'm going on forever it might be a product of the age uh but like i it's hard to imagine millennials doing something collectively like they yeah collectively organizing enough to actually get something done yeah i mean you might i remember there was someone at a commencement i think it was governor christie gave a commencement at rutgers here or seton hall or something and someone went and shouted something or other at him and he sort of famously got into an argument with the guy and like called him a a jerk or or told the the police to like get that twerp out of here so christie's kind of a belligerent guy but (laughs) that was like front page news star ledger you know everybody knew and i knew this guy's name because I then went to law school. I think he was a year ahead of me, but I went to law school with him and I remembered his name from that. Like, oh, he's the guy who yelled at Governor Christie. Um, but so circling back really quickly to the Twitter thing, I don't think, and whether or not Elon planned this, I don't, I think it goes back exactly as far as Tucker Carlson taking his show to Twitter, right? The story there is that, according to Elon Musk, if you want to believe him, that there was no deal struck between uh, Carlson and Musk. He just, Carlson decided he was going to do the show just as a user of Twitter on Twitter. I think that showed Musk an avenue of an audience. And that's why he did this thing with this. I think it is literally uh, a 10 yeah. day old idea in Musk's head to have DeSantis make this announcement. And at some point he said to him, he reached out to reached out to DeSantis, said this would be a great way to, you know, get in touch with where all the real audience is or whatever. And I mean, DeSantis has been a little bit of a like uh, sort of, I don't want to say chasing memes as much as sort of like he's like an online guy. You'll see something is sort of bubbling up in the conservative Twitter sphere and then he'll have some sort of take on it the following week. And so I think for him going on Twitter made plenty of sense. And the the upside to the whole thing is if it crashes and burns as it did, it's not really going to hurt him because as we're continually reminded, Twitter is not the Internet and the Internet is not the world. And if you went by uh, Twitter in 2016, Bernie Sanders would have won. If you went by Twitter in 2020, Bernie Sanders would have won. Uh, Twitter's not everything. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't really matter what, ha- like, it, it, there's a lot of upside for him and not necessarily a ton of downside as long as he personally doesn't do something completely goofy in the space. Yeah. I, even I, I suspect, I suspect I that what really happened here is that uh, Musk promised a huge 
campaign donation funneled into DeSantis's yeah, yeah. super PAC that uh, right. that uh, got him to bring it over to Twitter. Yeah, but that's the most obvious. That's Occam's razor, right? It's like a donation was tied to this. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about um, about Elon trying to make Twitter like the best avenue, best place for content creators. Right, and I don't know if that's that. Maybe this was part of that too, though. Sure, like I. I haven't seen any real steps to actually making that happen. So I we'll see. That's part of like the X app, everything app thing, right? I mean, that's all sort of of a piece that it's going to do everything. And yeah, I mean, he rolled out the thing for purchasing stocks so that stock Twitter could like do the trading on there. And and it was like a half (laughs) measure, right? It's just a partnership with some other uh, trading platform, not Robinhood, but whatever the other one is. Um, And same thing here. They rolled this. Was it it? Bull? Weeble? Weevil? The bull? I Maybe. Never mind. Yeah, well, whatever it is. It was it rolled it out with some, you know, also ran trading platform. And then this crashing and burning. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's just going with whatever ideas he comes up with. And as I said, I really don't know that it was going to be a huge benefit to either of them, even if it all went like swimmingly. Um, hmm. I don't know. Was it Jake? Did, did, somebody shared on uh, Learning Council Slack the trump truth social uh slam of ron of the the announcement uh, which is the spacex rocket <laughs> crashing <laughs> i did that was, see that yeah that, that is uh that was good yeah hey uh can uh, one of you guys explain to me what's going on with the ethics rules in california <laughs> no no sorry <laughs> yeah okay fine uh, <laughs> we have to next time uh, do your homework though yeah, I, that was the whole point is we're not supposed to have to do homework. Oh, right. Okay, so California, I'll do it, I guess. I guess. Okay. Oh, uh, thank you. California uh, does is the only state that does not currently have a rule requiring lawyers to report unethical behavior by other lawyers. Um, so I was like, I had, I had no idea that California didn't have this rule. No, I didn't um, either. But now they're looking at adopting a new one, and they have two that they're proposing to the Supreme Court of California uh, that like are just differ based on how much evidence you need to support a complaint before you have mm. to make it. Yeah. Um, and this was prompted by Tom Girardi, who's like a do you guys know Girardi Keese? Tom Girardi He's like a very famous attorney, yeah. uh, both famous because for like being an attorney but also famous because i think his wife is on like real housewives or something that sounds right outstanding um, and he had a and, big uh, like uh client fund issue went missing yes right? yeah yeah like he it turned out he'd been stealing client client funds for like decades yeah and he had the florida the florida the california bar investigator that was supposed to investigate him was also getting paid by him and getting a private driver paid oh, by that's him that, that's that guy um, okay yeah, uh, that guy. Anyway, uh, because so many people knew about it and never reported it to the bar and it was a huge problem for decades, mm-hmm. um, California is like, you know, we should be able to go after all those people that knew about it and didn't do anything, but we don't have this rule. Um, so they're proposing a new rule. Uh, my thought is we have this rule in Florida. I can't remember a single time it, it got... Uh, it got actually enforced. Right, right. Uh, like there's, if you run a firm, I've seen people get uh, punished for actions by attorneys 
uh, under their supervision. Like, right. Young attorneys, they'll punish the partner sometimes if the partner knew. But I've right, never sure. seen it actually get enforced here. Have have you? Uh, have you, Jason, seen that kind know. of thing actually get enforced? I don't know of any instance where there's been somebody who is disciplined and a different attorney has been disciplined for knowing about it and not reporting it. Uh, And, uh, you know, I've I've even been in situations where uh, I think that uh, there have been things that at least arguably crossed a line and uh, you have juxtaposed against each other the duty of... uh, advocacy to be a good advocate for your client right. uh, and the duty to you know snitch on somebody who has done an ethical thing and those things may be in tension with each other uh, and then on top of that you also uh, potentially have a situation where like it seems retaliatory or predatory to make a yeah. report against somebody else especially while you're in the middle of litigation and so right the the times when I've uh, had felt some sort of inclination or some sort of responsibility to report uh, an unethical behavior. The guidance that I got from like my mentors at my old firm was essentially uh, there's a duty to report it, but that duty doesn't necessarily hold when it is uh, adverse to the interests of your client. And there's nothing in the rule that says when you have to report it. And so like, these things can get get held off until the litigation is over, which can be six months or six years or longer. Uh, and uh, by then, it is but then you've out lost of your memory. Yeah. It's out <laughs> right. of your interest. You know the sort of you don't like, want to spend lat- the time. Yeah, you don't yeah. Deal with it, it. The latches mentality can kind of set in, where like, yeah, it's been so long. Are they really going to do anything about it? And realistically, they probably wouldn't if it's been six years since this thing happened. So. I think uh, California is, I mean, it's absurd that they didn't have it in the first place. Uh, They have the most attorneys of any state in the the union. Yeah. I mean, what is it? One out of every six lawyers in America is a California lawyer. Like it's a huge proportion. Uh, One out of every six people in America is Mm -hmm. a Californian. Uh, But uh, to not have this rule in the first place is pretty bananas. I think, uh, you know, speaking for the state that I'm most familiar with, Indiana, I think we need to go further than just having the snitch rule. And I think we probably need to have something that puts a clock on it so that you have an obligation to report it within X period of time. Right. Uh, and I think there probably ought to be safe harbor provisions because what you can't do is you can't leverage an attorney discipline matter to try and work out an advantageous yeah. result for your client. Just like you can't leverage the threat of criminal prosecution. Those are those are big ethical problems. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you kind of probably need to have something in the rules that more closely specifies these are the circumstances are under which you have an obligation. You have to do it within this time uh, and uh, uh, you kind of lay out the consequence there. Because yeah. what's stopping these people who know about these 205 ethics complaints against Girardi over the course of the last 40 years? Like, what's stopping them from saying, OK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to report it now. Right. Well, I was going the to, yeah. Said, yeah no, <laughs> I mean, Girardi's a bad example because California doesn't have the rule. But if somebody, yeah. you know, if I've got word that uh, uh, this one particular lawyer that I know about who's done some unethical stuff, uh, you know, if I He's get wind that, 
that, yeah, right. That there's a <laughs> that there's a, a disciplinary commission uh, investigator who's kind of coming down the mountain looking for this guy. I'm going to go report now because there's nothing in the rule that says that you have to report within a certain time. Right. Uh, and so great California, do it, make it stronger in every other state that has kind of this loosey goosey duty to report. You got to get more specific, uh, with that and say when you do it and here's how you handle a situation where you might be perceived as inappropriately leveraging it, uh, and get some real good guidance on that. Cause I'm not sure we have that in most situations. Yeah, in these um, I'll read from the Bloomberg Law article that that summarizes it a little bit. But in these two, they, there's two alternatives in California being considered. Neither one has any sort of time element. Um, the board, the bar board of trustees considered two alternatives to mandate reporting and ended up hours of debate sending after hours of debate sending both to the California Supreme Court for approval. The staff recommended proposal requiring reporting of a criminal act that reflects adversely on that lawyer's honesty, trustworthiness, or fitness as a lawyer in other respects or conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or reckless or intentional misrepresentation or misappropriation of funds or property. And then there's a second narrower one that is just criminal acts, fraud, or misappropriation that raises a substantial question as to the lawyer's honesty, trustworthiness, or fitness of, as a lawyer. So it's basically- So it has to be criminal. Like it's yeah. not like- so yeah, in both, it has to be criminal. And then it's a question of, does it raise a substantial question or just yeah. a question? Or I'm sorry, reflects adversely. So those are the two differences. Yeah. The, the more broad scope one is if, it, if it's a criminal act that reflects adversely on honesty and trustworthiness. And the other is if it's a criminal act that uh, raises a substantial question as to the lawyer's honesty. Which, yeah. I mean, I, I, I again, I think, Jason, you make a really good point. Time, more important to either of those distinctions would be a some sort of time element as to when you have to. Because the um, reflects adversely versus uh, raises raises a substantial question. I'm not sure I fully understand the distinction between the two. I mean, I, I understand in theory that substantial question is a little bit further along on the on the the you know gradient <laughs> or whatever. But I would have a lot of trouble uh, figuring out yeah. what I what was in front of me when I was deciding whether or not I had to report somebody here. Right. And again, with the time thing, it gives you time. I was trying to figure out if it was raising a substantial question or I was trying, you know what I mean? With no time bar, no time element, all of that is sort of, it gives you, there's an automatic escape hatch where it's just, well, I'm sorry, I was mistaken. I thought it didn't raise a substantial question. I thought it, you know, merely rose to the level of uh, reflecting adversely or whatever. Yeah. This this really feels like it's only ever going to be enforced against the people that are like, where there's emails from that person to the other person saying, I know what you're doing. Uh, right. Stop this. Or like are intimately acquainted, like with this Girardi case thing where like attorneys at his firm would find out and then just resign and go somewhere else. Um, right. Like knowing, like having no shadow of a doubt that something really bad was happening with client funds, that the client funds were being stolen. Right. Uh, and, you know, just quitting or going along yeah. with it. Uh, or like I think- not not reporting out of fear of retaliation that this powerful attorney yeah. who's doing this shady stuff is just going to squish you in your career. Like, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. I forgot yeah. about this. I just looked up Girardi. Uh, do you guys know what the client funds he was stealing, or at least a big chunk of them were? It what? was uh, $2 million in client funds that were due to the family of those killed by the Boeing 737 MAX Lion Air Flight <laughs> 610 crash in Indonesia in 2018. That Indonesian mm-hmm. crash, you know, due to the... I mean, again, I think that is is what it will be. It will be like egregious, um, you know, stealing from orphan type 
behavior that will call you know actually yeah. have these things be reported and then everything else will just be ah well you know <laughs> you couldn't be certain and y- yeah. and y'all know once he once he got caught what he what his defense was no what's that his defense was i've lost my memory i don't remember i'm too oh, yeah, old yeah. i i have dementia right uh, i can't defend myself anymore uh, it's like the old mob boss thing where every time one of the mob bosses in New York were, was about to go on trial, there'd be uh, press photos of them shuffling around New York in like a bathrobe with somebody ushering them around. Oh, that's know, what he, they he, did with Weinstein. Yeah, there you go. Giancarlo lost <laughs> his, his mind. He's, he's, he's demented now, so he can't stand trial for the, you know, gangland mm. killing out in front of the Italian restaurant. Mm. Um, yeah. I think Sorry. I think there probably needs to be some sort of uh, thing that's built into these rules uh, in in every state, like a safe harbor provision that uh, protects you from like worries about making a making a mistaken claim. Too, I don't think that there's probably going to be very much chance that like the board of law examiners of a state or the disciplinary commission or whatever the governing authority is is going to clap back on somebody for making uh, for making a report. Uh, but there probably needs to be some sort of shelter provision that's built in for people like that too. And a mechanism for anonymity, right? I mean, I can imagine being a young lawyer in an area where um, you really don't want to make an enemy of a Girardi. I mean, he's, you know, again, maybe a bad example, but I remember, you know, being a first or second year attorney in a law firm and not that I saw anything, you know, going on, but if I did, I wouldn't be super thrilled with, reporting the partner that is a you know known entity in my area when i'm trying to get my career off the ground if i think you're gonna have no i I think you're gonna have constitutional problems with reporting it anonymously especially if somebody's gonna result in criminal prosecution like yeah uh, uh, yeah. what what is it uh former public defender is it a sixth amendment problem the confrontation clause you mean yeah yeah Yeah, i I mean no if you don't need the that's the thing that that's only a problem if you need their testimony but you might not need it if it's enough to start an investigation. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Anonymous tips start investigations all the time. Um, but uh, yeah. So all right. go so California. I, I believe in it. Do it. <laughs> yeah, go California. Go do it. Do it better. Like while you're at it, California, since you guys have been the last ones to adopt it, how about you go further and do better and adopt a rule that actually like answer some of these questions that uh, that we're going to have to wrestle with after you adopt this rule. Like give us a timeline, give us a, give us much more specific uh, things. Don't use these lawyer wiggle words. Like we're going to, because we're lawyers, but like substantial probability of, or whatever it is that like reflect fully on the profession. Yeah. Like take out the wiggle words and like just make it as simple as the TSA, like see something, say something like, Right. Great. Cool. I don't like. I don't like the TSA. I, say something. Say something. Yeah, actually, actually, don't, I hate that. I, Never I, mind. I, I, really, <laughs> I, I, I agree with that because it leads to an awful lot of like pretty racist uh, and right. stuff. But uh, you uh, know, that's less of a problem among lawyers. It's uh, well, we, we wish. Uh, yeah. But uh, the uh, it's well, like trust your so many of them are white. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh that's true. Yeah. All right. <laughs> which is which is not a good thing. I'm not well, saying no. that that's a good thing. No, no, no. Yeah, Jason's point is that it, the the racism keep digging, has occurred keep <laughs> at the yeah. law school and the bar exam level, and so there are less uh, uh, victims to be victimized. Unfortunately, okay. Right. yeah. Okay, uh, <laughs> Jake, you appear to be sweating. Uh, How are you doing? No, <laughs> but I was gonna say is uh, yeah, see something, say something. You're asking everybody to trust their instinct. Uh, right. 
instincts are where the biases lie. So yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's not it's not great. Uh, but you know, when it comes to this thing, you know, uh, Florida. I keep saying Florida. Uh, you know, bar ethics in general. Uh, yeah. We the one of the biggest problems is that the richer the attorney you are the less likely the bar wants to spend all the time and money to go after you because you will. That's true. They will bury the bar and the yeah. bar is a publicly funded organization that doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of money to go after the Girardis and the, uh, you know, the big laws, right? Uh, the people that have millions to spend to destroy right. and harass the bar. Um, so that's one of the biggest, biggest impediments to actually Hurdles, yeah. having any of this happen. But, mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking of millions to spend, I think our next topic uh, we can go quickly. I don't know if you guys have you guys actually got to play with any of these AI tools particularly yet. I mean, I, I, these are uh, sorry, legal AI things, not you know, ChatGPT, Google Bard, etc. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> One of you, who somebody made me a um, uh, the case case text memo. So what's case text thing? Is that Copilot? Uh, it's like Copilot. So uh, case text has introduced something called Co-Counsel. I, Co-counsel, right. there you go. Yeah. I knew it was very much like yeah. co-pilot. And it, it's not entirely uh, put together yet. So it's really only useful for certain kinds of things. Uh, and so like when I had a trial of it, I was working on a brief, uh, a summary judgment brief, and it's not equipped to do something like that yet. What it is equipped to do is take some basic information like you would put into chat GPT <laughs> Right. Uh, and then uh, kind of do some uh, searches through the case text materials, which is like LexisNexis or Westlaw, uh, probably a little bit more limited than either one. Uh, but to go and put it together like a memo like a first or second year associate would do for a partner that addresses these particular topics uh, without regard to the specific facts of a particular case. Uh and it can do that with the guardrails on of not making up cases or not making right. up statutes like it's we were finding nice. with chat GPT uh, back then. So huge feature it, ad there. Yeah, it's it's probably <laughs> not a big feature yet for litigators who are working on briefs, uh, right. but it is a good feature for uh, some co-counsel specifically is a good feature for people who are writing memos for, you know, partner review or client review Mm -hmm. that are just kind of spitting out the fleshed out basics of a topic based off of what you can gather from case law and some secondary sources. Uh, I haven't tried the LexisNexis one. It's pretty new. I don't even know if they're having public trials of it yet, but uh, that's kind of an exciting announcement that recently came out. Uh, The one that I just saw like right before uh, we popped on here to record was uh, this edition of uh, something called Spellbook, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know if that's like talking about like, uh, here's how you spell words, or if it's talking about here are the magical incantations. It's probably oh. the magical incantation. I think it's magic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's an AI co-pilot. Everybody's starting to call these things co-pilots kind of <laughs> glom- glomming on to uh, maybe the most successful one of these so far, which is GitHub co-pilot. Uh, but, and uh, uh, office uh, offices thing is Copilot as well. Office three sixty five Copilot. The thing that's going to roll out in Word and everything is also called Copilot. Yeah, and that's a, that's a pretty interesting idea. It's basically taking what people do already, which is copy and paste from existing contracts when you're creating a new contract, but yeah. maybe doing that with some greater smarts, like 
uh, hey, Spellbook, create a contract for me that addresses uh, confidentiality as it relates to uh, you know, employment and an obligation to assign every invention that you make to the company uh, for any sort of invented thing while you work there. Right. Like, okay, great. Like, you can create that with Spellbook, or you can go back and use the one that you know somebody else at the firm used three years ago for the exact same thing. Like, yeah, uh, Spellbook looks super interesting. My, I hate to be a naysayer on all these things, but my question remains for all of these. Whenever I look as much as they're willing to share under the hood, and it turns out it's just GPT four being hooked up to <laughs> something. My question: So Spellbook specifically raised ten point nine million from Moxie, Thomson Reuters, and other, and Thomson Reuters owns I believe they own Westlaw. Is that right? Yeah. I think so. Right. Yeah. Yes, they yes. And they're also Reuters themselves. And you know, they're, they're a huge conglomerate. Um, I don't un- fully understand the uh, 10.9 million is not a lot of money, but I don't fully understand the value add for these uh, middle person entities between GPT-4 and um, the final product, like in the, especially in this particular example. I don't know what this is doing for, um, for example, the uh, co-counsel uh, one for for case text. I understand that it's being exposed to a set or to to a like a um, curated uh, uh, database of information. Right, actual cases, actual case law. Uh, I'm sorry, actual uh, statutory law, actual, actual regulatory law, administrative, etc. And so that's the value add, right? Is that it's sort of parsing out all the garbage that's from like an eHow article, and it's only going to give you results from actual cases and actual the rest. For this, I don't fully uh, get it. I'm hoping one of you do does. <laughs> my my guess is that it has to do with the particular. Sa- so I think GPT four can be taken and uh, applied to different sandboxes of like data sets, data models, uh, and kind of facts that we trust. And that's kind of what co-counsel is doing. They just have a really big database of here's the case law and the statutory law and some limited selection of secondary sources that are trustworthy. Uh, I think probably what's happening here is these uh, startups that are saying that we're GPT-4 applied to this sandbox. And we've got a good right. sandbox trained on good data. And Spellbook, my hunch is that, they're, uh, that their value proposition here is we've trained it on a sandbox that is, you know, from... Oh, you're right. Westlaw. So reputa- that's what it is. Reputable sources. And- right. All yeah, those contract, so- those form contracts on Westlaw. You're right. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. The uh, practical law that, West- is. that Westlaw produces and those kind of yep. um, horn books, more or mm-hmm. less. Uh, and we're training it with that data set. And, you know, maybe that's the maybe that's an important value proposition so that instead of going in to practical law like you might with Westlaw and uh, what you do is. Uh, go through their directory of contract clauses and you just manually click in and then you cop- select the text, copy it, paste it into your new contract, change the nouns and pronouns and whatever. Uh, and this is doing all that for you. You're probably eliminating a bunch of work for a first to fourth year associate and you're right. automating <laughs> it, uh, which I, d- I don't know if that's a very good value proposition to certain firms. Uh, but my, I think the value is coming from what it's trained on the sandbox that it's playing in. That makes sense. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about it, but that's probably why Thomson Reuters is in, in the group giving $10 million to them because they're probably also giving them access to that training data. Hmm. That's sort of, because I mean, I, I'm thinking of this from like a, not that I'm capable of it, but if you wanted to, if we had some idea among the three of us where, you know, we know something about GPT-4, we generally understand how it functions and we have an idea as to, you know, we want to roll out some sort of legal product. 
how how would we distinguish ourselves from the rest of the the pack and i yeah i think that's it right it's finding the training getting access to the training data getting exclusive access to the training data at least with regards to gpt4 so that you are the only entity that has uh, a gpt4 um language model trained on practical guidance or or whatever the westlaw product is and lexus the same thing etc I think the the holy grail for me as a litigator in this situation is uh, have a good model like co-counsel that you know can look at uh, verified case law verified and like we know that this is good statute uh, statutory law that can look through uh, kind of these most trustworthy secondary sources like corn books or something like that uh, and then also take, the material that I feed to you and sandbox that uh, and then turn that into uh, Jason writes what he wants. I'm referring to myself in the third person. This is really good. Uh, I write whatever I believe the truth of the case to be. I write the the argument, the brief that I want to write. And this system then says, well, here's all the evidence that you've gathered in this case. And here's what supports and here's what refutes what you just wrote. Like that's right. the holy grail for me. That's cool. That's, I, that's the AI system I want. This just raised a question to me that uh, I don't know if you guys are prepared to answer, but uh, your opinions would be interesting. And if not, we can talk about it next week. Um, so there are various... So we've talked in the past a little bit about public sources, free public sources for yeah. statutory law, for regulatory law, for case law, all that sort of stuff, right? You have like Cornell's Le- Legal Information Library. I don't know what it's called. Whatever it is. Yeah. LII. Institute. Right, you have Institute, yeah. You have Justia, I think is another one. There's a few of these sort of yeah. projects. Are going Find on. Law. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that there needs to be an open source, free, public uh, version of these things like co-counsel in order to put people on a level playing field? Like, is this such a value add to uh, attorneys that can afford it? Attorneys, period, but attorneys that can afford it, right? That there needs to be a public option. Yo, you, you mean like, so like one that would be provided by the bar as like a basic part of your... Yes. I, I don't really... No, I I don't think it's that useful. I think it's right. a time saver, uh, if anything. Just like, you know, there's a million time savers you could spring money for. So sure. I don't. I personally don't think it's that interesting. I thought you were going to ask: Should there be some kind of public repository of contracts? Uh, I think that would oh, be yeah. cool. That yeah. would be very cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some places probably like some places already have it. But it would be nice if there was a public repository of basic contracts for um, uh, for like basic stuff that everybody needs to needs to have or should have or should ironically have available. generating that would be a great use of AI, right? Yeah. Like yeah. aim it at basically like the SEC's Edgar filings or something, some source of like known, you know, quasi good terms, right? And then uh, generate a whole bunch of contracts, and you know why stop there maybe have it something that can bespoke generate uh, a contract you know what i mean based on the you mm-hmm. know, pick the jurisdiction you're trying to get because uh, there's some variation right and some of these things we've talked about like ndas and stuff to some variation between states that's yeah. a great idea that's a million dollar idea for uh, our listeners because realistically i mean that's gonna the thing it's not gonna make money it. it's designed to not make money it should oh, get right, a grant exactly yeah yep. okay and I mean, it's basically the uh, the contract equivalent or the other agreement uh, contract equivalent of like when you walk into the small claims court, uh, they have like a wall with a bunch of drawers that's just got uh, stacks upon stacks of here's what you need to do for, you know, here's 
the small claims complaint yeah. form, and here's a small claims appearance form, and here's a right. small claims, uh, you know, uh, request for a trial and request for discovery and proceeding supplemental for collection. Like they they have those forms in a lot of courts yeah. already. We're just talking about doing that in transactional context, right? Uh, People are still yeah. going to screw it up because you have people that go and pluck good contracts, otherwise acceptable contracts from online and they pick and choose what they want out of them and they end up with just like garbage because they don't know what they're doing. Right. Uh, and so having like a trustworthy repository of, hey, don't try to cobble this together on your own. Here's a good thing that you yeah. can use. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a good idea, but there's yeah, no money I mean, in it. That's yeah. by definition. So there are for lawyers, it's funny. So there there's something like it for lawyers for in Florida. The Florida Bar has a website called Legal Fuel, which has uh engagement letters, it has conflict letters, it has uh letters to clients when you're leaving a firm, it has a million things like that. Uh wow. for free for lawyers. It's it's really helpful. Uh so it's just kind of strange that there isn't like we don't even need, it doesn't even have to be, it can be anything and it would be better than a lot of these situations where, you know, people just think I'm not going to, there's, we can't afford a lawyer. We're not going to get a contract. You could have five sentences and the process yeah. of having, of writing down, um, here's what I'm giving you. Here's what you're giving me is by itself very helpful because contracts aren't like, you know, we're, it's not really uh, it's not about punishing or because you don't trust the other side. It's because you want to establish that you both uh, know what you're getting into. Right. Um, a, m- a meeting of the minds. A meeting, a of, the meeting minds. of the minds. Where's the promise? Uh, and the more complicated it is, the more important that it's written. But having anything written is very helpful. Uh, right. You never want to go into a case with breach of oral contract as your main claim. That's, that's a bad situation. Um, but also, it just helps avoid fighting, even if you're yeah. uh, talking about four hundred dollars, so mm-hmm. or less than that. Yeah, yeah, and so again, none of this is legal advice, so nobody should be listening to this and thinking, "Oh, I'm going to go write a contract on my own." But the other thing that comes to mind is um, uh, estates and trusts, right? A will, like a basic will. Yeah, yeah. you'd be astounded to read the case, the uh, case law, in you know, at least in New Jersey, as to what is a fully functioning will, like scribbling something on the back of an envelope and signing it mm-hmm. and done. You know what I mean? Like oh. really very low bar. Florida is not like that. Florida says, no, you, uh, you need witnesses. Like yeah. Florida says no holographic wills. You need witnesses. You need formality. So it wouldn't Otherwise work you're just intestate entirely. There's no, yeah, or, there, it's as though well, there's, there's no the, will. There's a yeah, you're in test state. You have a well, like automatic certain automatic gotcha presumptions okay. that go with the being in test state. Yeah, but, to be clear, yeah. my understanding of a New Jersey, it's not as though then that will is a fully functioning will. It's that the it's taken into consideration what it appears your intentions okay. were, and so it's it's not just you know yeah you're not just fully in test state. But my point is, I think a lot of people think that there's a magical incantation that's required for these sorts of things. And as you said, just having a very simple contract would go a long way towards having uh, it come down in the favor of come down reflecting the actual agreement that was originally uh, contemplated. Right. Yep. Yeah. All right. I think we are running long, so I think we could probably go to what's going on and recommendations here. And I'm going to be easy for this one because I'm still playing the new Star Wars game, so I don't have anything new. So what do you guys got? 
You're behind Zelda. the times, man. I know. I'm you got to move on to Zelda. Have you, man? You should see. Uh, like Zelda is like, it, it. I get it. Why people said Breath of the Wild is the best game of all time now. Before I was like, that game is fine. I wasn't that into that game. Right. I'm into that. I'm into this one, Tears of the Kingdom. Like other people were into Breath of the Wild. I'm just like, yeah. It's taking over my brainwaves. I want to play Zelda, but I didn't. Or I want to play the new one, but I didn't play super far in Breath of the Wild, and I'm afraid I'm oh, going to be lost. Really? You would benefit from doing. You would benefit from playing them in order, but right. you should not prohibit yourself from playing Tears of the Kingdom because you haven't played Breath of the Wild because it's still good fun. Yeah, uh, and I think you could actually even play Tears and then go back and play Breath and still have a really good time. Yeah, like uh, so Jake took Zelda. I am going to make a recommendation and maybe a little bit of an anti-recommendation of uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom TikTok slash Instagram Reels yes. is either super funny uh, or super awful. Uh, and so I've gotten cool uh, uh, Instagram Reels of people who are building these flying contraptions or like these vehicles uh, out from scratch. Uh, in Tears of the Kingdom and then just like rolling them down hills with themselves inside and seeing what happens. And that's like totally fun stuff to watch. Uh, and then I have people who are putting Koroks, these lovable little characters, uh, on a spit and uh, using the machines <laughs> to rotate the spit and they're roasting the Koroks. Uh, and I saw one that's uh, even more awful than that that I'm going to just kind of leave out. But <laughs> There are uh, children so listening. It, the one with religious... Yes. Well, did it have any religious overtones? It, it did involve some religious symbolism, yes. Okay. Uh, and uh, that that's... Um, yeah. That sounds terrible. Uh, so it can be hilarious and it can be awful. And I don't know how you tune your algorithm to only get the hilarious without getting the awful. So maybe mess with it. Maybe don't. Uh, depends on your the sensitivities and preferences, it's funny. I so, suppose. It is funny. So... Andrew, one of the uh, one of the main things. Do you remember Koroks from Breath of the Wild? Did you are they the little leaf looking things that would yeah, pop that, out from under yeah, rocks? They're the little yeah. leaf looking things that give you a seed, which yeah, yeah, ha- yeah. is actually yeah. If you find them, it's a currency. They give you a seed. It's a currency. Uh, in the in this one, there's a new mechanic with them where sometimes you'll find one who has a backpack on that's way too big, and right. therefore they, he can't move. And yeah. you're supposed and to use your like telekinesis ability and also your ability to build ships and vehicles and stuff to get him over to his friend who has set up like a campfire. And okay. so some people are like, this is are really annoyed by them. So they've uh, because you can grab them with telekinesis, you can then attach them to things and uh, also do whatever you want with them. And terrible, uh, terrible things. They're very cute, but it is annoying sometimes. And so you've got some people who are like, oh, no, I dropped you, you poor boy. Uh, And then some people who are like, I'm going to uh, run. I'm going to throw three flamethrowers and have them blast right at your face. Um, (laughs) And that's, you know, one of the tamer things I've seen. My my feed is now like 50 percent Tears of the Kingdom videos. Oh, I guess I got to play it just to be part of the 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 cultural yeah, moment the that this is. Yeah, otherwise, yeah. I'm jo- really join lost. me, slaves of the zeitgeist. Uh, <laughs> copyright trademark me. Um, but yeah, it's like my feed is like one third Korok torture, uh, one third um, <laughs> the wood choppers. Right? You've told us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, 
Wood choppers is so is so December, so January. Oh, really? oh it's cold. They're not um, chopping wood now. They're doing something yeah. else. I don't know. They're they're uh, planting things or harvesting. I don't know. I don't know. They're totally gone now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, one one third Korok torture, one third like pro duplication tips, pro tips for including glitches to make you duplicate items, and then like oh, cool. one third just like people styling. I'm talking only Tales of the Kingdom or Tears of the Kingdom videos. Uh, one third people doing it insanely like insanely tricky stuff like because in this game you can fuse you can fuse items that you find to your weapons and shield and bow to make crazy effects so like right. you can fuse a bomb plant to your shield and then jump and land on your shield and it like makes you fly really high in the air with like an explosion right. uh that's one one thing <laughs> Jason looks excited Jason. Yeah. Uh, sounds ooh. great yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, he got up and he walked away he's done he's going to do it right now <laughs> he's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go check this out anyway yeah so people use that to jump really high and then like do a bunch of acrobatics on the way down and do a bunch of crazy stuff anyway uh yeah it's a fun it's a fun cultural moment to be a part of all right so both of your recommendations is, is something <laughs> involving needing to play zelda so i will do that yeah yeah okay bye-bye all right Get to Off to play Zelda. Off to play like four more shrines before bed. <laughs>